Hey there, listeners. I'm Vermont Edition co-host Michaela LaFrac. I wanted to hop in and let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been condensed and edited down for clarity. Happy listening. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Connor Cyrus. And I'm Michaela LaFrac. Today is town meeting day. So tomorrow is town meeting day. I'm already too excited, Connor. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Today we are getting ready together. We'll be joined by town moderators, clerks, and select board members from different parts of the state. We're going to learn about some big issues their communities are voting on. But first, we're going to get started about telling you about the Vermont Public Voter Guide. Town meeting is a centuries-old tradition in Vermont and other parts of New England. But each March is always someone's first town meeting. And with the COVID-19 pandemic disrupting town meeting day traditions in recent years, Vermonters young and old can be forgiven if they need a refresher. That was our thinking here in the Vermont Public Newsroom, which inspired our online guide to town meeting day, which you can check out at vermontpublic.org. To help explain the Vermont Public Town Meeting Day guide is Vermont Public's new digital editor, April McCollum. April, welcome to Vermont Edition. Thank you. So, April, Vermont has its proud tradition of town meeting day going back to the 1700s. Why a voter guide and why now? Well, we wanted to help people who may never have attended town meeting and may not know where to start. Uh, It is something that I think a lot of Vermonters feel like they should do. But if you've never been or you've never gone through your town report or your town budget, it can feel really overwhelming. So we wanted as much as possible to just break it down into the pieces and give you a guide where you can scan, choose what you need, and feel uh, prepared and informed as you approach your town meeting. Now, listeners, if you're new to Town Meeting Day, the guide lays out what happens, who gets elected, voting on school and town budgets, and local ballot items. But it'd be almost impossible to cover everything on each ballot for more than 251 towns. So, April, tell us, on Town Meeting Day, what are people voting on? Everything local. So that's your your town budget, your school district budget, your local elected officials, such as your select board or city council. Those are the people who um, make the primary decisions about laws in your town. Uh, Bonds for infrastructure projects and miscellaneous. Um, There are a lot of other topics that might come up that they want to know the voters' opinions about. And so you might see those on your ballot as well. So explain to us the difference between in-person and floor voting versus the paper ballot or, as some call it, the Australian ballot. This is a point of contention, I will say. And it really (laughs) depends on your town and how people think about town meeting and kind of what type of voting experience they want. So in-person voting is just like it sounds. Everybody is in a room together. You're seeing your neighbors face to face. You're discussing issues together. And then you're voting uh, by voice vote or if it's really close, sometimes they'll have people raise their hands to decide the vote. Australian ballot, as it's often called, is just a ballot that you would have in any other election. Uh, It's a standardized ballot you fill it out, it's private. A lot of larger towns and cities have moved to Australian ballots for a lot of their decisions, if not all of the, all of their decisions. And then there are definitely still towns in Vermont that really cherish that in-person experience and have kept everything in person. And then there are towns that do some of each. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing this year when it comes to what people are voting on this year? Well, in terms of what people are voting on, 
it varies so much from town to town. We're seeing we are seeing a lot of towns talking about changing the structure of some of their local positions, like changing from elected to appointed positions, like the town clerk is one example, um, or getting rid of their lister and choosing a professional assessor uh, for their property valuation uh, process. And we are also seeing a lot of infrastructure bonds. And uh, this is not a trend, but I think it's interesting to note You know, last year we saw a lot of cannabis votes about cannabis retailers through our two towns that are voting on that this year. So kind of the stragglers who are making those decisions now. Now, a big part of this guide is a glossary to help people decode the language that gets used during town meetings. What are some of the key terms in the glossary people should know? Well, we talked about Australian ballot. That's one that I think often stumps people. Uh, we talk about the in the guide the the different tax rates, and I think that that's something that's really intimidating if you don't know them, um, and you hear people throw around these these terms like homestead tax rate, non-homestead tax rate, municipal tax rate. So we talk about all of those in the guide. We also throw in some fun ones like fence viewer and constable, things like those local positions that you might not really be that clear on what that person actually does. So a lot of good information to help people stay organized and know what they're actually talking about so everyone's on the same page. Let's also talk about what to consider when reading a budget, whether a school or town budget. What should people keep in mind? We encourage people in the guide to look at kind of the bottom line numbers of the overall expenses, the overall revenues, projected revenues, and how they've changed from year to year. So that's kind of the first step to get yourself oriented to your town or school budget. For school budgets specifically, we encourage people to look at the uh, spending per equalized pupil, and that is the most important number that plays into your what will eventually become your education property tax rate. Uh, You won't know for sure what that tax rate will be, but uh, there is usually an estimate on town meeting day, and it's directly tied to that equalized pupil number. And tell us about the town meeting day bingo card on the photo guide. Yes. So here at Vermont Public, and I think many Vermonters agree with us, we love town meeting not only because of the democracy, but because of the the fun and the cultural um, ephemera that goes with it. And so we made the bingo card to celebrate some of those things that you might see at town meeting, uh, like, I don't know, Carhartts and muck boots and somebody brings their dog and knitters. Uh, one person votes no in a voice vote that should be unanimous. Those kind of things that are just fun. And so we encourage people to play. Go find the guide. It's at the bottom of the guide. Download it. Save it to your phone. If you play and if you tag us on social media or you send it in, we want to give you a sticker to say thank you. Ooh, one of the new Vermont public stickers. Yes. Yeah, they're beautiful. Very exciting. Finally, what's your favorite part about Town Meeting Day? It's got to be the food. I mean, the, the towns that do a potluck or a bake sale or a cake tradition, you know, there are so many local towns that just do something every year. And I think that the food of Town Meeting is really the unsung hero. It always comes down to the food on Vermont Edition. And I love that. April McCollum, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, our next guest is an expert on town meeting traditions. Susan Clark is the town moderator of Middlesex in Washington County and the author of numerous books, including All Those in Favor, Rediscovering the Secrets of Town Meeting and Community, which she co-wrote with Frank Bryan, and Slow Democracy, Rediscovering Community, Bringing Decision-Making Back Home, which she co-wrote with Woden Teachout. Susan, welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Love the bingo card. I know, such a fun idea, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> now, for listeners who might be new to the area, what's unique about town meeting, in your opinion? Yeah, well, um, folks who um, might be new to New England or Vermont, uh, uh, it's an eye-opener to realize that town meeting is uh, a legislature. It's very different from what other places call, you know, town hall meeting. You know, those media events where politicians, you know, may, might sit on a stool and maybe roll up their sleeves and, you know, sort of hold forth. You know, town meetings are direct, deliberative democracy, which means you walk in and you are the government. You aren't, you know, electing other people to govern for you. So on these issues of finance and governance, we, we have extraordinary power. We are deciding on our budgets and our spending. We can amend from the floor. Uh, you know, at town meeting, government is, is a we and not a they. Hmm. Now, as Connor and our colleague April McCollum just talked about, there's lots of different like words and phrases that you hear around town meeting day that you don't hear in other parts of the year. Um, and I want to talk to you about town moderator. That's what you are for Middlesex. What What is a town moderator? What does that mean? Well, um, it's a sort of part um, referee, um, part host, um, maybe a little bit bar bouncer, you know. Um, it's, a, it's the person who stands up in front and facilitates the meeting. Um, and they have um, basically no power. Um, they, what they are is um, uh, welcoming voices in and um, working to help people, um, you know, interpret what, what they, what they, uh, what they're trying to say into a motion that can actually uh, then take action and, and have results. Mm. Now, as we all know, COVID uh, really threw a wrench in a lot of town meeting plans for, for a couple of years, and, and that continues to this day. Can you talk us through what happened to town meetings during the, particularly during the height of the pandemic, but but this year as well? Sure. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we all remember COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, some of us obviously are still living through it uh, in, in different ways. But um, in particular, um, you know, pre-vaccine, um, we just couldn't get together face to face. And so what towns um, were allowed to do under temporary legislation was uh, temporarily for one year and uh, then it went into the next year. Um, switch to ballot voting um, and, uh, you know, not hold in-person meetings. And that's what most towns uh, did. Most towns made that choice for public health reasons. Um, and sort of the headline this year is that um, towns are switching back. The legislature did extend um, that permission, uh, again, um, for in, for towns that were worried about COVID. But, um, you know, about three quarters of Vermont's towns are going to have in-person floor meetings this year. Um, and, you know, I think it's important, especially uh, you know, for folks maybe from Burlington who think that town meeting is this is this thing that kind of happens sometimes in some places. In town, in person Vermont town meeting is how most Vermont towns govern. You know, uh, over three quarters of Vermont's towns make decisions of some kind at a, at a floor meeting and well over two thirds use uh, the, the floor vote to determine their budgets. Uh, so, and it's a lot of money, you know, it's almost three quarters of a billion dollars in, in municipal expenditures, according to the Vermont League of Cities and Towns. So this isn't just a, you know, sort of a, a quaint thing that's happening out there. It's how it's self-governance. Well, your town is not having an in-person town meeting this year, right? Why, why not? That's right. Yeah. Uh, select board members did take the legislature up on that on that uh, temporary legislation um, to uh, 
uh, they were concerned about COVID. Um, and so, you know, then they got a little pushback on front porch forums. Some people were like, wait a minute, you know, wh why, why are we doing this? So it's a town by town decision. Um, and w as, as are all of the decisions we make at town meeting, each town is unique. Each town has its, uh, its, uh, you know, personal uh, story. Um, and uh, we'll just, uh, you know, uh, next year uh, we'll, we'll be back unless the select board decides again to do that for one more year. A front porch forum debate about town meeting seems like the most Vermont thing that I can think of. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Roger in Woodstock with us. Roger, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I, the ideal of town meeting is a wonderful one. But in practice, what you have is an archaic and totally non-representative sampling of the electorate of a particular town making gigantic decisions for everybody else. People with kids are going to have a hard time getting there. People with mobility issues are going to have a hard time getting there. People who have a job that they have to go to. All of this is essentially putting in place a process in which very few people are making monumental decisions for towns. Mm. Well, Roger, thanks for your call. And Susan, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, in the in the semi-wake of the pandemic, there has been a lot of um, a lot of renewed debate about whether it's a good idea to um, to have people come in person to vote. Um, lots of towns saw more voter participation um, when they had virtual town meetings versus the in-person ones. Um, what, yeah, what do you that's think? Right. What have you seen? Um, that's, yeah, and I take inclusion very seriously. You know, any democratic scholar and practitioner does. And, you know, it's it's not news. We've known for decades that often if you make, uh, if, you, if you're casting ballots, more people will cast a ballot than will take time to come to a meeting. It's quicker, it's easier. Um, and towns got a sort of a visual aid of this during COVID, uh, especially if they mailed out the ballots. So um, I, I think what we need to remember, I, I think that that's a, 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 a very important point. Um, we, we do need to remember a couple of things. One is that local voting in general is quite low. We might compare town meeting attendance to 100% of the electorate and think it's really low, but um, you know, it varies from town to town, but I think it was in 2019, uh, Australian ballot voting, ballot voting was uh, in Vermont towns was, uh, you know, something like 19.7%. Um, it went up uh, during the pandemic when we were stuck at home and when we mailed ballots out. But um, I think the highest average I saw was 28%. So, um, and so that means 70 or 80% of the people um, aren't likely to vote on local issues, even when it's by ballot. Um, and, and so really what we have to think about, not just not just about the, the democracy as a numbers game, but if the only thing we're allowed to do uh, in a democracy is vote, then democracy is in deep trouble. Seeing democracy just as voting is an impoverished view of what democracy means. And if we really do care about inclusion, we have to ask ourselves not just about the quantity, but the quality of democracy. Um, at, at, at Vermont Town Meeting, we're, we're way more than just voters. We, we're, we're deliberators. We're, we're chewing on issues together. We're, we're seeing and seeing, seeing and hearing each other uh, as neighbors, you know, as whole people, which is something we really missed during COVID. We can change our minds. We can change each other's minds. Um, you know, and as I'm sure that you know, Michaela, ballot box voting in the United States is notoriously skewed to our great shame. Factors like race and income and education help predict Americans' likelihood 
to vote. But um, UVM professor Frank Bryan, who's the world's leading scholar on town meetings, spent 30 years uh, collecting data on Vermont town meetings, spent thousands of town meetings, and crunched data, 30 years of data, couldn't find a link between any of a town's socioeconomic indicators, like people's occupation or income or levels of education, and the town's attendance at town meeting. So this data suggests that there are elements of face-to-face -face democracy that actually invite often marginalized populations. So I, I just, a town meeting allows a, a different way of knowing, of, of incorporating a variety of backgrounds and wisdom. You see that at a town meeting. You know, there's gonna be people giving speeches and quoting data, you know, sounding important, but there are also people just telling their stories and sharing their lived experience. It's a place where we humanize, and we have all seen it. Town meeting is a place where a story from a neighbor can shed a whole new light and and even carry the day, you know? So if we really care about inclusion, I think we have to ask ourselves not just about the quantity, but the quality of deliberation. Well, on Instagram over on Vermont Public, at Vermont Public, our Instagram page, uh, we asked, do you think the practice of town meeting needs to change? We got a couple of responses. One person said, it would be great if we could make town meeting more accessible to more Vermonters, thinking about different days of the week or time of day or have volunteer childcare. I also think we should have ballots mailed to each voter each year. Another person replied, some towns do provide free child care for the meeting. Lincoln is one of them. Now, Susan, lots more town meeting day questions for you, but we, we are going to have to take a break in just a moment. Um, so I will end with the same question that Connor asked our colleague April. What is your favorite part of town meeting day? You know, I think my favorite part is is the new ideas. Um, and we've had that experience again and again. We just had it at our most recent in-person in meeting. Um, people expressed ideas and um, uh, the select board learned. And we actually are, are now taking action on some of the ideas that come up um, at town meeting. And boy, I sure would agree with um, with uh, the folks uh, who, who say there are ways that we can improve town meeting. Lots of ideas of ways to uh, continue to improve town meeting into the 21st century. And I think that we, we can do that uh, town by town. And I think it's exciting. Well, Susan Clark, the town manager of Middlesex and the author of numerous books, including... <laughs> moderator, excuse me, including all those in favor, rediscovering the secrets of town meeting and community. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now we're going to go to Orange County to learn about something voters in Newberry will be voting on tomorrow. And that's whether the town wants the state to build a juvenile detention facility in their town. To tell us about it is Representative Joseph Parsons, vice chair of the Newberry Select Board. Representative Parsons, welcome to Vermont Edition. Well, thank you so much for having me. So let's just get everybody caught up. What are voters voting on tomorrow when it comes to this proposed six-bed facility proposed to by DCF, Department of Children um, and Families? Yeah. Um, so uh, Article 8 tomorrow will be um, asking the voters if they want the uh, Newberry Select Board to um, support or not support the detention center um, being proposed and let the governor... Um, DCF, the uh, committees of jurisdiction, um, and inform them of how the vote goes. So, so uh, this isn't something new. So, what is the history, and tell us what led up to this vote? Um, yeah, kind of a long story. I'll fit in quick as I can. Uh, it all started years ago when uh, the state shut down Woodside, um, 
without without a a plan B of where those kids were going to go and um, without a facility for them. Um, that's when DCF um, reached out looking for private companies that could perform this service for the state. Um, they signed an agreement with um, Vermont Permanency Initiative. Initiative. Um, a lot of people would know them as Beckett. Um, they they came to Newberry after getting approval from the legislature, and the first time Newberry heard about all of this happening was, you know, a day before it hit the newspapers. Um, they uh, they came. They had their few their their listening meetings. <clears throat> Three of those to um, inform and take questions, um, hear people's concerns, and from there it went to our um, development review board for the zoning, um, which. After looking through all the details, you know, 12 foot high, unclimbable fences, detention grade windows, um, uh, the security systems there, the double locked doors, and they, they, um, they did not offer them their permit as it didn't fall under uh, group homes, um, which would have been zoned as a single family residence. So um, we went to court, the environmental court sided with the state and Beckett, and um, we appealed that to the Supreme Court, and that's where we are now. So it's in the Supreme Court now. What does this vote actually mean? Um, as far as it doesn't hold any legal weight, um, what this vote means is that um, it seems like every other town, when we, we hear about other towns being a, a possible siting for this facility, um, they seem to get the benefit of uh, having a voice right off the bat. And um, that's kind of how what, what, what we were told in Newbury was that, you know, we're not going to come in if this isn't supported by the town. <clears throat> and um, you can see where we are now with, uh, with us saying no. So, yeah, it really doesn't hold any legal weight as far as that concerned. But in, uh, in committee hearings, you'll, you'd hear the commissioner um, often mention, you know, it's a small local group, which is just really isn't true. So uh, I think this vote will prove that. So this vote is really to show that this, that the town as a whole stands in unity and not wanting um, this facility in its town in Newberry. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is it for people that are maybe catching up to the story? What is it exactly that makes people so upset about this facility in Newberry? Um. <clears throat> I don't know if upset is the correct term for it. Uh, I'd say just disappointed in the way the process has been handled. Um, it, it it doesn't fit with our town zoning, our town plan, um, which which doesn't seem to be uh, too much of a concern to the state at this point. The, you know their their uh, their need is kind of is kind of trumping that in their opinion. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we all understand that this is it, it's this service is needed, um, but you know a town with no police coverage, volunteer fire departments, um, you know a half hour away from the hospital. There's um, yeah, there's we just don't have the services in our area. It's on a class four back road. Um, we just don't see this as the correct fit for a facility like this, and which is why one's never been placed in a facility like, or a location like this before. Now, a lot of eyes are watching this decision, and uh, especially what's happening with the Supreme Court. What lessons can people take away from this? 
I'm sorry, that broke up there. What was that? I was saying, what lessons can people learn from what Newberry is going through, especially in taking this to the Supreme Court? Oh, um, the lessons that uh, Newberry is kind of feeling right now is, I mean, it really makes you wonder how much weight your town plan and your local zoning actually holds if the state can just kind of run roughshod over you, unfortunately. Um, so that's kind of how we're feeling in Newberry. And then I just want to ask, uh, what's next for the town of Newberry um, and waiting for this decision and this vote that y'all have tomorrow? Um, yeah, the uh, Supreme Court's decision um, is what we're going to be waiting for later this year. Um, I don't see um, a whole lot more that Newberry can do in the meantime. We're having this vote to uh, tomorrow. Um there is a bill in the House right now, H-394, that um, I don't know if it can help Newberry, but hopefully it can help, you know, the next town should this should the, should this pass through, that uh, it clarifies municipal zoning authority over group homes and basically states that um, this type of highly secure facility for justice-involved youth is not what that exemption was given for some 50 years ago when the law was written. That's Representative Joseph Parsons of Newberry. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and walk us through what Newberry's voting on tomorrow. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. We also have a call now from Guy in Benson. Guy, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good afternoon. Uh, our town is having an in-person floor meeting again this year. And... <clears throat> The thing that I think is important, if people can debate the issues, they can amend money issues up or down. And I've seen it go both ways. And, you know, it's, yes, it's hard to get people to come. Mm. But there have been studies done on going entirely Australian ballot. And what happens for the first couple of years you get more people involved and then it it goes down until you wind up where you've got less people than would come to a floor vote and my experience is you got to have something controversial to get people to come out to town meeting Yep, I think that's what we're we're hearing from a lot of towns, Guy, when there's something heated or that school budget that everyone really cares about, they show up in other years. Got to get controversial. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Guy, thank you so much for calling in. We hope lots of folks show up to the town meeting in Benson tomorrow. Next, we're heading to Montpelier, where John Odom is the town clerk. Welcome back to the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what's town meeting day look like in Montpelier? There's, there's not an in-person potluck or anything there, right? Um, we no, we we just have the Australian ballot, mm-hmm. um, and we had uh, relatively low activity in the early ballot until about the last week and a half, and everybody else is making up for lost time. We are mm-hmm. busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Goodness, um, but yeah, there's a few things um, on the ballot that are drawing a lot of attention. I think um, mainly the open. Uh, uh, positions on the ballot, particularly the mayor's race. That's open now with uh, Ann Watson, uh, now serving in the state Senate. Um, And that's an interesting three-way race, and there's been a lot of buzz around that. We've got uh, 
more talk around the budget than we usually do. Um, the uh, this is a town that generally passes its budget, but um, it's a it's a big increase this year uh, compared to other years. On the one hand, it's it's same old, same old in that it's tracking largely tracking inflation. On the other hand, inflation's been way up, so uh, that means this budget is way up. So, mm. and there, there's also been some discussion around school funding this year, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the same situation you've got going on where people are just feeling um, uh, a, a, there's a lot more talk about the budgets and both budgets and spending in general. Um, I think um, I think the large extent the schools just getting caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Now the the budget I saw is projected to increase Montpelier property taxes by around one point three seven percent. Um, and reduce taxes in Roxbury by nine nine 9.59%. Uh, residents of, of Roxbury and Montpelier vote on the same um, school district budget. Um, is is that what the concern is over, these, these property tax changes? Yeah, I mean, I think it usually is. Quite frankly, I've heard much more about the city budget than the, than the school budget. Um, that's really where the, the more of the conversation has been, at least on, um, you know, places like Front Porch Forum and, and just, you know, the conversations I catch coming in and out of the office. I'm not hearing a whole lot about the school budget. Hmm. Well, one one really interesting element of, of um, Mon- Montpelier's uh, town meeting is uh, a change that occurred last year. We, we actually had you on Vermont Edition's town meeting show last year to discuss uh, this rather historic change. Last year was the first time that non-citizens were allowed to vote on local decisions. Um, And last year, you told us only a handful of residents who weren't citizens were registered to vote during town meeting. Are are those numbers any different this year? Yeah, we've got 11. (laughs) Still still nothing to, you know, shout about that much, but it's better than the five. There you go. It's it's a more than 100% increase. So (laughs) Look it's at all it. about branding, right? Huge. It's huge, right. Um, but, yeah, no, we've got uh, 11 folks uh, registered, um, you know, with the, our registrations before when it was just the five were, you know, folks who had citizenship in uh, uh, Europe and Canada. But we started to see folks from, um, you know, other places around the world, which is great. Um you know, we don't have as diverse a community as Winooski has, but... And Winooski's uh, the other town that allows for non-citizen voting. Yeah, but it's, you know, but, um, you know, we're not completely completely all culturally the same here. So I think a, a lot of it is making sure that folks feel like they can really take some ownership of the community by um, by coming in and participating in the local decision-making process. And, uh, you know, we want to see that. Well, we got an email just now from Larry in Middlebury, who writes, I attended my first town meeting as a newcomer to Vermont 20 years ago. It was all new and remarkable to me. At the end of the school board presentation, someone moved to thank the board members for their work. I overheard an older resident nearby say, quote, I don't always agree with what they do, but we should thank them anyway. That sentiment stuck with me as the most important aspect of town meeting. It's where people of differing points of view recognize that everyone in the town has a common interest. Now, John, lastly, I know you just mentioned that you are very busy around this time of year, uh, but what, what's your favorite part of town meeting day? 
Oh, my favorite part of the entire job is the elections, yeah. whether it's town meeting day, the, the August primary, or the, the November general election every other year. Um, I mean, with all due respect to um, our, our canine friends, licensing dogs isn't quite as fulfilling as, uh, you know, being a, an important part of the democratic process. So this is, it's, this is just all the best, being the, keeping that machinery going. Well, town clerk for Montpelier, John Odom, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and good luck with everything surrounding this town meeting vote. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Let's go to Peter in Moortown. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm a teacher calling on my lunch break, and I just love to bring up the idea that I wish that all towns could um, provide the same access, like maybe the town meeting is at night with childcare provided, or maybe there's a statewide holiday to allow more people the day off from work to participate. Um, I just really think that um, we want to create systems to allow the most possible access. And I don't know if any of you uh, reporters or any of the guests you have on could, could talk about that and why we don't have more of a, a universal access statewide. Thanks. Peter, thank you so much for that call. And Michaela, that seems to be a common theme that we're, we've heard from several people today is that, you know, people want to, if it's a floor vote, they want to be able to have access to that. I know we got a couple Instagrams talking about that as well. We're now going to turn to Colchester, where a project that's been in the works for more than two decades will get a yay or nay vote from voters. At Colchester's town meeting tomorrow, voters will decide on a multi-million dollar recreation center. I spoke with Colchester Select Board member Charlie Pepio and Colchester Parks and Recreation Director Glenn Katita. I started by asking Charlie, just how long has this idea of a community rec center been coming together? About 22 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Long, long time in the works. Pre, you know, precedes my time with the select board, certainly. Yeah, I started in uh, 2000, and there was a lot of information in the community that they wanted to have a recreation center at that time. And so we started the process with a community survey to kind of hone in on programs that they'd like to see, amenities within the recreation center, and what type of community support there was for it. And there was overwhelming support for the rec center and kind of identified four key components of the rec center. And through the last 20 years in surveys and focus groups, you know, the four top four amenities and the community one for that recreation center really hasn't changed. So how much work has gone into taking this from an idea to a proposal where voters will be asked to commit millions of dollars to it? I would say uh, quite a bit of work. I mean, certainly studies, um, you know, looking at other municipalities, what they've done with uh, with rec centers, and then kind of a draft of a uh, of a design of uh, what it would initially look like, and hopefully with uh, town approval on on Tuesday, we'll uh, we'll get started and uh, we'll have a rec center in 2025. Tell me a little bit about what is going into this rec center and what residents, if this passes, can expect. Yeah, it's going to be a 29,427 square foot building, which will have a fitness space in it. It'll have a gymnasium. It'll have an elevated walking running track. It'll have classrooms and a meeting space in it. It'll have a small kitchen that can we can do some programming in there, but also serve people who want to use the facility for gatherings, uh, birthday parties, family events. Uh, commercial events and things so it can support those spaces 
and also um, a, a studio space for uh, exercise programs. So just how much will this cost and how much will taxpayers be asked to pitch in on town meeting day? Well, taxpayers aren't being asked to pitch in anything. It's all uh, funded by local option tax. There's $9 million in reserve right now, which will be used uh, to get it started. Uh, the remainder is going to be paid over the course of 10 years. And again, that's all from local option tax. So there's no property tax at all involved. And then the maintenance um, you know, for staff and, and building and the like will, will all be funded by, uh, by membership fees. Now, Vermont's only Costco wholesale store is in Colchester, just over the line from Winooski. Can you talk about what the 1% local option tax meant for this project? You know, anecdotally, uh, anyone that shops at Costco and sees the, the huge carts uh, coming out uh, on a daily basis um, can certainly imagine that uh, it's a huge impact on our local option tax. Uh, we'd be probably wouldn't be anywhere near the number that we're at, you know, in the bank right now without uh, without Costco. Just to be clear, um, there's no local option tax on the gas, so we don't get anything from the gas sales at Costco. So, Charlie, I want to ask you, have you heard of any pushback to this if taxpayers aren't really being asked to, if it's not coming out of property taxes? I've heard very little, if anything. I mean, there's the obvious skepticism going into a project of, you know, the what ifs. Well, you know, what if we don't have enough uh, membership? What if, you know, that falls through, then then how are we going to pay for it? And I think that's really, you know, it's kind of overthinking it. Uh, you know, as I talk to people in other communities, that have rec centers, there's an overflow. They can't keep up with the demand uh, for the use of it. So uh, we'll certainly, you know, our community is going to use it. And I would imagine we're going to get people from other communities that can't get into their own rec centers. So I'm not worried at all that we're not going to meet those goals. You'd agree, Glenn? I would. When we looked at how we would fund the operating costs, we looked at, you know, what we would charge for a membership fee and then the amount of potential memberships that we would need to reach that operating cost number. And so we based memberships on a very conservative basis. You know, our our stamp of approval is on this. And so we want to make sure it's going to be successful in that way. And so we created things to, to be conservative to make sure that does happen. But one of the other things I think that we also want to clarify, uh, this facility is going to be open to the community where we're going to be able to expand programs that we uh, currently can't do because of the lack of facilities in our community. You know, we'll have more programs during the daytime that we can't utilize the schools for, evening activities that we can't get in the schools for because they're full of their programs that they're doing. So it's not a membership-based facility that you can't get in. It's really focused on membership for the fitness components of the facility to help meet the operating costs. So after the $9 million is spent, how will the town use that 1% tax in the future? Well, a portion of it is going to pay back the loan that's over a 10-year period. It's like $6.9 million, I believe, uh, but not all of the local option tax. So again, some of that local option tax is going to be put in the bank for, for future projects. And that's, you know, those are future projects that the, the taxpayers will decide, to, you know, goes into a our capital fund, it doesn't go into the general fund, which is you know different than most communities. Most communities are putting the local option tax into their general fund. We're putting it into a, a fund to use for capital projects. So we can do things like this, and it really doesn't impact um, the taxpayers of Colchester. 
So given that and our current economic moment of inflation, surging fuel prices, to name a few, do you think voters will approve this project? I don't like making predictions, but uh, I do have a good feeling that uh, it will go through. And that's only because of the community support that we've had over the years. And this is something that uh, that the community wants. I guess if you, if you ask me my feeling, uh, will it will it, go? it it will? Yes. And there's an information meeting tonight about this. What should Colchester voters know going into tonight's meeting? And it's a project that's going to benefit the community, whether you use it or not. Uh, you know, you use the argument of, uh, you know, having great schools in your community and you can say, well, I don't have any kids. Well, you know, it's a magnet. It brings people to the to the community. This is a magnet. It'll, it'll bring families to uh, to the community. And isn't that exactly what we want? We want uh, more people living and prospering and living healthy here in Colchester. That's Colchester Select Board member Charlie Pepio. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, uh, Connor. Good to, good to be on with you. Thank you for having us. And Colchester Parks and Recreation Director Glenn Katita. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Well, finally, on our town meeting tour, we're going to turn to the town of Peacham in the Northeast Kingdom, where Tom Gallinet is the town clerk. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. So I hear you all have a big vote coming up. Article 20. Article 20. What is it? So it's uh, to vote for to name the new snowplow that's coming this year. Um, and so we're really excited. It's always the uh, the hottest topic around town. <laughs> so uh, what are what are some of the names that are getting thrown around, and how did how did they get nominated? Well, so this was a collaboration with our local school, the Peachum School, and um, so each it's uh, it's uh, there's multi grade classes, right? So each class um, kind of had a little mini election to try to start working on that democratic process. Um, where they came up with a name that they're going to put forward. Um, Pre-K, they chose Unicorn Egg. <laughs> unicorn Egg? Yeah, Unicorn okay. Egg, you know. You can imagine that on a giant, you know, 12,000-pound vehicle running down the road. <laughs> uh, K-1 chose Lightning. Mm-hmm, um, classic. Yeah, Grade 2 chose Snowstorm. Ooh, okay, odd theme. And 3-4, very age-appropriate, is Voldemort's Plow. Wow. And uh, my personal favorite, although trying to say as non-biased as possible, five six, Robert Frost. Oh, okay, very literary. <laughs> um, so we're really cute, uh, but this this really presented a problem this year for us that we had to sort out very last minute. Um, this first came about two years ago with an Australian ballot uh, because of the COVID pandemic, and it was very easy to put names on a ballot. Um, to be voted on. Although when it comes to a floor vote and unregistered, uh, less than age 18 people bringing these nominations forward, how do we get them on uh, the vote from the floor, right? It's like they can't nominate. They're not registered voters. How do we do this? And so we've had this last minute scrambles where the students are now like, campaigning to find adults to, to nominate their snowplow. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. (laughs) Um, So uh, there's kind of some insider backroom deals going on. It sounds like uh, you're the town clerk and you've already picked sides. Sounds messy. 
Tough. There are Kit Kats and Almond Joys being slung around the room like you wouldn't believe. Oh this is, It's getting crazy. <laughs> I love this. I cannot wait to find out who wins. Um, well, Tom, what else is on the agenda in Peach Jam? Anything else that we should know, snowplows aside? You know, um, it's a pretty standard election. Um, you know, it, it's going to be pretty quick. Um, I don't see any big issues. We just like every other town, we're seeing a pretty major increase, um, 26.6% here in Peachum. Um, and so that, that's really probably going to be the talk is, is why it's going up, and, and no one can really put a finger on it. The cost of living has hit all of us pretty hard. Um, and when you spread that out through all the line items, health insurance and cost of living, uh, both for salaries and cost of living of goods, um, it's really hard to, to lower it any more than we've already done. Mm. Well, um, Tom, before we let you go, we, we have a question from a caller named Carolyn. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go to her call, but but I believe her question is about the etiquette for going to another town's town meeting, um, not necessarily to vote, but just to attend. Um, so I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you that question. Um, if folks want to go to Peachum and, and witness this historic snowplow vote, uh, is that okay? What's the etiquette there? Yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, you know, come to Peachum where it's always peachy. <laughs> and um, this, is really, this is really a great question. Um, so there are t- really two rules that need to be followed by non-residents, and that is um, the first is you're not allowed to partake in a vote, but you can certainly um, take part in the conversation, and you can do that by asking permission of the voters to speak. Um, and so you kind of raise your hand and you ask permission of the moderator. The moderator then asks the voters. Um, so it's still it's an open meeting. It's actually like an open legislature. You take responsibility for your voice and your vote amongst your peers. And Tom, and you have just about 20 seconds left. Here. Oh, I'm sorry. So yes, yeah, so two rules, you know, you got to ask permission to speak and then you can't vote, but otherwise come on down, join the potluck. <laughs> well, Tom Gallinet, town clerk in Peachum, thank you so much for your time today. Good luck tomorrow. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Now, Michaela, we did get some people on Instagram answering the question, do you think the practice of town meeting day needs to change? And here are just a few of uh, responses. Uh, One person writes, it's a privilege to be able to attend that day. Schools and businesses were closed on town hall day when I was a kid. Um, Hang on to this and you won't see and you won't see it again once it's gone. Mm. That was just, you know, speaking to one of the callers that we had today about the equity of Right, right. And, and the importance of this democratic process. It sounds like there's a lot changing right now. My mind is really in Peachum, though, with this <laughs> massive vote. I just can't get beyond like <laughs> kids just like slinging Kit Kats and candy to get adults to get them to vote for their town name. That's just hilarious to it's me. It's amazing.